Hi everyone, welcome to Weird is the New Normal. I'm Brooke Owen. Join me as we listen to people who live everyday lives with struggles that we normally don't talk about. Welcome back. Today we are going to be finishing my conversation with my friend Jessie. In the first part of our conversation, we talked about her and her family's experience with racism in the United States today. For the second part of our conversation, we're going to be focusing on what white people can do to support people of color and what we can do to better ourselves and to make a positive change. Again, I would like to say up front that we are both speaking from our own experience and we are not affiliated, nor do we align ourselves with any groups surrounding this topic. So let's join the conversation again. The, the good thing about being different is that we can learn from each other. And so I think that kind of leads us into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was me being honest with myself and really looking at ideas and beliefs that I have about race as a white person who was raised predominantly around white people. So why is it so important that we, we're really honest with ourselves? Yeah, I think that it's important to be honest with yourself because if you're not honest with yourself, you can't change you can't grow you can't address this and say okay yeah you know black people do scare me Mm -hmm. and why and what can I do or you can't address the situation with yourself and say I think I do have prejudices you know and what can I do to address that what can I do to make that better so I think that that's important to um, start that change and to start to become an ally and help and say, I understand you. I see you. I may not understand how it feels, but I'm on your side. You know, I'm here to help you. And I'm not saying that you have to pick a side between black or white. You don't have to pick a side between black or blue. You know, just because I say my husband's life matters doesn't mean that I'm saying I hate the cops. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. at all. I think that, you know, people are quick to jump to sides and they don't live in an area of gray. Well, gray is uncomfortable. I think (laughs) a lot. It's a really uncomfortable place to live because we don't have that black and white of this is this is how things are, are good and this is how things are bad. And, you know, but life isn't like that. Right. We need to stop looking at the sides like you said, being versus black versus blue, um, black and white. That's that's not the sides. The sides are who's willing to look at themselves and be honest with themselves and who just wants to ignore that there are people saying, we're hurting right now. Right. And I think that if if somebody's saying to you, I'm hurting right now, who are you to say, no, you're not? It sounds you know, so absurd when you say it that right. way. <laughs> and I mean, if it doesn't affect you, if you, if, if, and, and we keep going back to black and white because obviously this is the subject, but I mean, if you're white and you have a white husband and you have white children, how are you going to tell me that I'm wrong whenever I tell you the way my husband and children have been treated? Just because it hasn't happened to you, that means what? 
just because it hasn't happened to you. That means that I'm wrong, that my children are wrong, that my husband's feelings aren't valid, that those situations haven't happened. I think that people have a tendency to speak from a place of comfortability, even if it's an unknowing comfortability, Mm -hmm. because I think we have the tendency to want to always be nice and smooth things over and make things okay and not have to address the hard things. Yeah. Well, because it's hard, right? We don't, it we hurts. don't want to. Obviously my husband and my children mean more to me than I mean to myself. You know, if I knew right now that I could just give up my life for them to not ever experience racism or hate ever again, I would without a, without a second thought, give it up right now. But I can't. And whenever I say, look, I'm scared. I'm scared for my husband. That should be a valid feeling. That you should, you should be willing to validate my feeling and say, I can't, I can't imagine what that feels like. And I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that. You don't have to jump to, not all cops are bad. And I'm going to back the blue. I never said anything about all cops are bad. All I said was, I'm scared. And that's the truth. I'm scared for my husband. I mean, I'm scared to get coronavirus. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I'm scared of heights. And when I tell you I'm afraid, that's a genuine feeling because these things have happened mm-hmm. to my husband. And whenever I see what we've all saw, this fear is just there and you don't know what to do with it. You know, you don't know where to go. So you try to go to your family and you try to go to your friends and you try to say, you know, I'm so scared. I, I'm, I'm fearful of this. You know, I, I don't want to lose my husband. And then you have people who, you know, don't want to hear that. And they completely turn their back on you. And so... I feel like, you know, we need to validate each other's feelings and each other's concerns because just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And like one thing I was thinking about was like, you know, the tampon tax. This has nothing to do with black <laughs> yeah. and white. But you know, like women are being taxed on female products for you know, their menstrual cycles and the state's reaping like millions of dollars a year off this. And, and they're saying it's a luxury. And okay, so you get a board of men who say this is a luxury and we're going to charge you women to buy tampons and pads and any other menstrual uh, cycle supplies you need. I bet you if you got a, a, a group of women together, they would argue that those things are not luxuries. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, you can't you can't have a panel of men saying that female products are a luxury item when you don't have that problem. Right. So let's let the women decide. Let's let the women make these choices, whether we have to, you know, spend the extra money mm-hmm. to have these products or not. Because I guarantee you, if we stopped buying them, then the men would get really uncomfortable. You know, those yeah. groups who have those luxury, who have imposed those luxury taxes would be like, hey, 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 no, <laughs> no, 
Yeah. You need to get yourself under control, you know? So (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you can't be one group making decisions for another group when that other group doesn't even apply to you. Right. You know? So something that we talked about a lot on Sunday was you just kept reinforcing to me that it was important that as a, a white person, I don't stay quiet. <laughs> um, you know, you I, as a person, tend to not, oh, I don't want to make waves. Right, you're a people pleaser. Yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I think that it's important for, you know, the white voice to be heard because this isn't just a people of color problem, it's a society problem, mm-hmm. and we're all members of the same society. We all have to live in this world together. And so, you know, whether you're a Christian or just a good person, you know, you're supposed to help help out your fellow man. Um, and I feel that, you know, you just using, uh, you know, somebody else as your quote unquote token black person, do not use them as your non-racist flag to wave. <laughs> My black husband <laughs> doesn't make you not racist. Mm-hmm. It might make me non-racist. After but, 21 years of you know, work at it. <laughs> right, but it doesn't make you not racist. So in one minute, you're going to wave that flag and you're going to say, oh, well, I have a black friend. Oh, well, pat yourself on the back. Look <laughs> at you. That might make you non-racist. But I think at this point in time, and, and it's long overdue that we need to be more than just non-racist and we need to be anti-racist and I'm sure everyone has seen that Mm -hmm. non-racist versus anti-racist that means you are not standing for this crap anymore Mm -hmm. that means you are going to stand up and say this isn't right I don't want to hear it you can take that crap somewhere else Mm yeah and I think it's so like even even for me where I'm I'm a super big people pleaser I don't want anybody to be upset I don't want anybody to be angry I think I finally like I was telling you on Sunday, I finally hit the point to where it's too much pain to not be anti-racist. You know, it, it, it hurts too many people I care about. And I guess, you know, that's a selfish thing for me. But I guess I finally hit that threshold where it hurts too many people I care about to, for me to not be anti-racist anymore. You know, I just think back to why is the white voice important? And if you go back and you study that the, you know, times of slavery and uh, the Underground Railroad, I think would have looked a hell of a lot different had there not been white people going, you know, come this way, you know, hey, I got you, come over here. Mm -hmm. Um, Without those white people standing up and saying, this is wrong, it would have never been successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm not taking anything away from Harriet Tubman or any other you know, person of color during that time. I'm just saying that it was important that white people and black people worked together for the same cause. And the same can be said for the civil rights movement. Had there not been those white people that were at one time in the middle and the black people saying, look, now's not the time. You need to get off the fence Mm -hmm. and you need to either help us or this is going to be, you know, all lost. And, um, And those people that were on their side, you know, from the beginning, I think that it would have looked a lot different had there not been white people in those protests, had there not been white people willing to sit down at the counter with people of color and say, this is wrong and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Um, I think both of those situations would have looked like a, 
I don't know, some sort of African-American, you know, rebellion or something and might not have turned out the way it had, had there not been white voices. And I think now we need white voices as well to amplify the people of color who are screaming out, I'm hurting, this has happened to me, that's happened to me. And for us to say, that's valid. Mm-hmm. That I understand that this is how you feel. I see that this is how you, you know, have to live. I don't understand how you're feeling, but I'm here for you. And to stand up and say, hey, you know, the laws need to change. The judicial system needs to change. Something needs to change. You're not going to change everybody's heart. You can't impose laws where, you know, somebody walks by you at Walmart and calls you the N-word. I mean, obviously, you're not going to call the cops. You can't. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, but where it counts, where it matters, you know. Well, I think and holding each other accountable. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Changing our immediate surroundings, because if more people are anti-racist than people who are being passive, then we can actually get something done. And the culture will change because we'll have people who are reminding other people, you know, that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be an aggressive thing. It's something that we can, we can do gently and kindly because we're trying to hear people who are hurting mm-hmm. and help them. Yeah, and help them with actual help. Yeah. Like I said, don't just say... Don't just wave your, you know, your non-racist flag of somebody else and say, oh, well, I know, I know a black guy and pat yourself on the back and go, okay, my job here is done. Um, that's not the way to help. Mm-hmm. And it's not the way to show that you're willing to help, you know. Um, oftentimes, I mean, and it's happened more than one time, we'll pull into a gas station and uh, everything will be nice and quiet, you know, and my husband will get out of the car to pump the gas and he opens the car door and he gets out and some young person will see him and all of a sudden they start turning up their rap music really loud and then they look over and like are nodding their head at him you know like okay (laughs) you know like (laughs) in the meantime he's got you know five finger death punch playing in our vehicle so you know i mean it's just like those aren't those aren't really constructive ways to help i mean God bless people who think they're, you know, trying to, you know, prove that they're not racist. But um, I think it, I think it needs to be, a, we need to have something of substance, you know. Um, so what can people do? Let's start out talking on that individual level. What, because that was something, and that's the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I, when I initially asked you about it, I said, I have no idea what to do. I feel helpless because I don't want to do something stupid. And I, I, I hope I'm not the only one that feels that way. I don't think I am. You know, I don't think you are. And I mean, even after 21 years of being with my husband, I mean, I'm still learning things and I'm still working to change. And, um, you know, I'm always not just in that, but I'm always like trying to be a better person. And I never want to say the wrong thing. And I think that like when you're speaking from the heart and you're like being genuine, like you were, and you were coming to me and saying like, what can I do? I feel so helpless. Like I, I don't know what to say, you know, um, you know, just being open to, um, accepting that truth Mm -hmm. and saying, I'm sorry that that's happened to you guys. Like 
It doesn't have to be something huge. Um, you don't have to apologize to every black person you see, you know, but when like, you know, when somebody says to you, this is what's happened. I think that one of the best things you can do is say, I'm so sorry that, you know, that's happened to you. I didn't know. Um, and, you know, hope that things are different. Um, I think that you being honest and, you know, having that growth mindset and trying to, to find out what you're supposed to do or what you should say. I think that, um, you know, I, I just think that that is so important mm -hmm. is like my family also, not my husband and my kids, but like my immediate family, you know, has grown so much with us in the past 21 years to things that they thought and things that they believed. And I'm not blaming them for anything and things are wonderful, but, um, I just think that that is just like the most important thing is to be so accepting and honest and say like, I didn't know before, but now I do. And mm -hmm. to move on, you know, from that. Yeah. So, um, what I'm hearing you say is be that person who validates and who's willing to listen and say, I hear that you're hurting and I am sorry that you're hurting. Not that and it's we, our necessarily quote unquote our fault. You're not accepting blame. And so many people right. want to get hung up on, you know? Yeah. And it's not that it's just, it's just you saying like, I stand behind you. Like, I don't feel that way. And I stand behind you, you know, that to me has meant a lot to hear that from my family, you know, a lot of my family, I can't say all of my family, but just to hear that, you know, and to know that you have people that are willing to stand up for you. Yeah. So, you know, talking to individual people, making them feel validated, learning, growing, understanding that there's something different. So educating yourself, is that the other thing I heard you oh, say? Oh, yeah. Yep. So what are some other things that, that we can do on an individual level? I know a big one that you talked to me about on Sunday was just not being quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I think that on an individual level also, you know, you can't remain quiet. It's not enough to be quiet anymore. And I think that, you know, we've covered that, you know, putting other people in their place, no mm -hmm. matter who it is. If it's your friend, family, or otherwise, you know, um, I think as an individual we need we need to be doing that too but you know all of these things need to start at home you need to start with yourself you need to teach your children better we have to have a better world for our kids everybody wants that for my for their kids i want that for my kids mm -hmm. i don't want to live in fear of is my son next yeah you know that terrifies me and who, if there's anybody who could possibly be sweeter than your husband, it, it, it's your son. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I don't know yeah. how it's possible to get somebody yeah. sweeter than your husband, but you did it. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. You know, and I, and nobody wants to live in fear for their kids, you know? No. And I don't. And so I feel like also whenever I say that, you know, that people are automatically, um, you know, taken back by that. Or they're automatically offended by that for some reason. Because I've, I've vocally said on social media that it scares me that I have to live in fear as my son next. And people are so offended by that. And I think that that goes back to what we were talking about with picking sides. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case, you know. Well, and I think um, we want to believe that our world is safe. Absolutely. We want to believe that we live in, you know, and... <laughs> 
the area that we live in is really close to an area that most people consider very not safe. Yeah. You know, but we want to believe that we live in this safe, happy world. And so when somebody says, that's not my experience, the immediate fear reaction from the other person is, no, that can't be true. Right. Because you're attacking my happy, safe world. Yeah, I agree with that. But we have to be willing to say that we have to be willing to listen to what you're saying and say, okay, so how do we make it safe for both of us? Because it doesn't have, we don't have to be scared anymore. We are big people. Our society has grown up. We're, we're, I would consider an adult society at this point. America's been around a long time. So we can put on our big kid pants and listen to each other. Right. And, and speaking for, you know, I was reading this article a while back about, um, Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And um, Ella Fitzgerald, she, I guess, wanted to play at this nightclub, and, like, they didn't want her there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marilyn Monroe made a deal with the owner. She's like, if you let her, you know, you book her for a couple weeks, I'll bring in, you know, other famous people, and I'll sit in the front row every night. And so that would be great publicity for the club. And um, they did it. And uh, actually, they didn't even need... Marilyn Monroe there, she was there every night, but they didn't even need her bringing other famous people because, um, it went over so well and like they were, they were, yeah, they were completely sold out and, um, you know, they actually booked her for like another week or something. And then she says that she never had to play in any small clubs after that. And she owes a huge debt to Marilyn Monroe, you know, and, and they were actually, I believe friends outside of just, you know, her getting, you know, standing up for her. But that, that's one of the, that's one of the things, like, even if you can't say, you know, this is wrong, this is, you know, that's wrong, at least back somebody else, you know, like, mm-hmm. like she did. And, uh, I, I mean, it can just be something simple like that. Yeah. So, um, something that you and I've talked a lot about the last week is, uh, sharing on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, social media is a good platform. Um, it can be good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a good platform to get your opinion out there and say, like, look, this is what's happening and make everybody aware, like, a, you know, a lot of people at one time and, um, you know, help people understand, help give people information. I also think there's a downside, you know, obviously, because if you if you share that you think Black Lives Matter, you're automatically against the police. If you share that only police, you know, not only police lives, but if police lives matter, then you're automatically a racist. And I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think if you say that black lives matter, you can still say that you support the police force. Mm-hmm. But I think that what's being said is that black lives matter and they should matter to police officers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be it should be essential that you walk away from a police stop Mm -hmm. that it's not a luxury that you get to walk away from it. It should be essential that you get to walk away from it. I think what's being said is our black lives matter. And when we are killed by police officers, they're not being prosecuted. And we feel like, you know, this is happening. And, I just feel like you don't have to 
take such extreme sides. I think that you can say Black Lives Matter and you can still support good cops. I think that the the police chief that was killed over mm. in St. Louis, yeah, I think his life mattered. I think his last name was Dorn. Yeah, Dorn. Okay. Um, I think that his life mattered. It didn't matter that he was black. It didn't matter that he was a police officer. His life mattered. Mm-hmm. And I think there doesn't have to be such a divide. I mean, there's already a divide. Yeah. You know. We're trying to get rid of that. Right. There's already a divide. You don't have to pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to be black and white. It can be an area of gray. Absolutely. And I think that social media, um, I think sometimes that your voice is, it's good to get your voice out there and to say what you have to say. But I also think that your voice can be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've lost Facebook friends. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> um, but I've lost Facebook friends because they could not cope with the fact that I was saying that I feel my husband's life matters. Mm-hmm. You know, black lives matter. And I think it's terrible that police officers were killed. I think that's horrible. But I also think that Black Lives Matter and that the the recent thing with George Floyd that we saw, we saw it on camera. We saw what was happening. And the fact that those police officers were, officers were not charged immediately, that is one of the things that outraged people mm-hmm. the most. It wasn't cop versus black. It wasn't black versus white. It was... It was the complete disregard for his life mattering enough for people to fight for it and say, what you did was wrong and you should, you should be held accountable for it. And I think that when, you know, police officers are in a position of trust and power that they should be held to a higher standard. Um, and I just think that on social media that people don't want to hear those things. And I understand, you know, like, if my husband were a cop, I obviously would want my husband's life to matter. Mm-hmm. And they do. I mean, you know, life is valid. Life is important. Life is, you know, it matters for everyone. And the black life should matter, too. Yeah. We were we were going to talk about, you know, why people get so hung up on the difference between black lives matter and all lives matter. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that with... It's not that all lives don't matter. It's that right now there's a great fe- feeling that black lives don't matter as much. Right. And it was, it was, there's a lot of different ways that's been communicated, not verbally necessarily, but it is still being communicated in a lot of nonverbal ways. Right. Well, I mean, it goes back to, you know, that old saying that your parents tell you actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. So you can say what you want about. Well, sure, you know, black people matter, black lives matter, but actions need to follow that up, you know. And I think that if that were, you know, me or you, and we killed somebody, we would have immediately be taken into custody. And I think that that is what a lot of people were so outraged over. 
Yeah. Well, and so that's kind of going into the concept of, you know, what, how, what do you feel? Um, and I understand neither one of us are necessarily experts in political science. <laughs> no, you know, but no, what, I don't claim to be. What do you, you feel like could be positive changes for the system? Because I, I don't want you to have to be afraid for your son's life for getting pulled over for driving a car. You know, I get nerve-wracked enough when I get pulled over, you know, and I don't even think about that. That's not something that crosses my mind. Right. And so with with you saying that, like, that doesn't even, you know, cross your mind. Like, you'd probably get pulled over and you'd be, like, panicked, freaking around in your, you know, glove box looking for your title and registration and reaching down for your purse, you know. I've had to teach my kids a whole set of rules, you know, like, okay, if you're getting pulled over, you make sure and have your window down before, you know, you're even pulled over. You need to have your license and registration and your your driver's license out on the dashboard before the cop ever gets up to the car. Don't be, you know, don't be feeling around. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't drop them. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, I feel like those are things that you should not have to say, you know, to your kid. You shouldn't have to drill those things into your kid's head just for a traffic stop, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that should not even be an issue. So, I, I mean, if you don't understand that, and you haven't lived in that situation, you haven't ever had to explain that to your kids, you just don't get it, but that's real. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm not the only the only mother who, who does that with her kids, or, you know, um, my husband, he, you know, has all his stuff in order, and he, if he gets pulled over by the cops, you know, his hands never leave the steering wheel, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like, you know, something has to change. Something has to give. Mm-hmm. It, it it has to change somewhere. Um, and and it needs to change in training, and it needs to change in police departments. And I was just talking to my mom the other day, and I was wondering, like, all these different companies, like makeup brands and stores and, like, businesses of all different kinds have came out and said, hey, we do not stand for this. Um, why haven't police departments done that? Because I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen, like, our local police department release a statement saying that, you know, we are a department of inclusivity and, you know, we will not stand for this, that, and whatever, and you can rest assured that, you know, everyone is treated fairly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know that that's even, you know, something that police departments would do. Um, but I don't know. Something's messed up, and I don't know enough about you know, the judicial system or, you know, how laws and stuff are, are changed and made better, but something has to give, something has to change. Well, it seems to me, and I could be completely wrong on this, but with the things that I've been seeing, you know, obviously you're scared and, and there's this underlying, like deep fear just for getting pulled over for a traffic stop, which, you know, but there also seems to be a fear on the other side as well. So it seems to me that there there's a disconnect that is happening that is causing fear on both sides. Absolutely. Which that is that is a combustible situation. So we need to put something in place, definitely having those systems in place to protect. Mm-hmm. Because, well, as we were saying at the beginning, what affects black people has an effect on everybody else. Yes. Because we're, we're interconnected. We, we're not separate. Right. So... 
as a mom of two kids, why is all of this so important to you personally? Well, <laughs> no, because obviously I want a better world for my kids. I don't want to be scared for my kids, and I don't want my kids to be scared. I've never been able to tell my kids, you can always, you know, run to a police officer for help. I've never told my kids that, you know. I guess we really didn't have much discussions when they were, like, real little. Um, but then as they've gotten older and, you know, they've got their driver's license and stuff, I don't want to... I, I don't want any other mothers to have those conversations with their kids. We shouldn't have to be. And obviously, I don't want my kids treated differently for the color of their skin. You know, I... It just is beyond me and beyond my words that this is 2020 and we're still dealing with it. You know? And it's... It's sad for me. It's sad that my kids are scared for their dad, you know. And I have worked so hard for my kids to know the culture that they came from because I don't want them to feel inferior. I want them to know that they came from greatness and that they came from love, from me and their dad. And I don't want them treated differently because of the color of their skin. You know, I don't want them to be on a float trip and people be throwing stuff at them. what everybody wants for their kids and that's a better world than what I grew up in and we have a really great family and we have really great support and um, I can't imagine being out there and being alone and not having that support so um some, one thing I really, really want to make sure that I understand with this and that people that, um, that are listening to this understand is, you know, we understand and we've talked a lot about how come it is important and uh, that everybody talk about this, you know, but what can we as individuals do? Um... You know, we've, we've talked about making sure that you're validating people and making sure that you make your voice heard and making sure you're anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that people who are in my situation, like on Sunday when I came to you and said, I don't know what to do, um, can do? Yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything, but with like... You know, just not being afraid, not being afraid to reach across a color line. I think that we oftentimes have the tendency to stay with and sit with the people that look more like us. Um, 
and I think that that in part is just I don't know something in our nature but not to be afraid to reach across a color line and say this doesn't matter to me and I think that that needs to be at all times at all things and in all places you know um, with everything everything and be unshakable in that that you will always be on the side of the right yeah I love that um so I have a really really uh, this question is going to sound really stupid right now but I wanted to end with it and I knew it was going to sound redundant when I put it at the <laughs> end but I really just want to end with it and um the question is do black lives matter absolutely absolutely they matter and they should start mattering to the system they should start mattering to people who are not black they need to start mattering to people who are unaffected they matter they are essential to who we are as a people I love that um, thank you thank You're you thank you I hope that it helps somebody like where I was I hope so it's it's a hard conversation to have and it's hard you know just to tell you <laughs> I think that you know it's hard to talk about and it's hard to say you know that this is going on but it needs to be said I hope this conversation was as beneficial for you as it was for me. Remember, take the time to listen.